Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, let me do the Parsha podcast that's even for last this week. Um, today, if I can, uh, it's being sponsored by the Pollocks, by Paul, and because Kathy's getting up, or maybe had already operation today, on the knee, uh, knee, kneecap, whatever, my wife had that. Uh, and, of course, he was her a full shlemo. And, uh, interestingly, when Kathy's around in town, she usually comes to the ladies' class lately, and I'm going to go over what we discussed or speculated about in the ladies' class. So, we'll uh, do two birds with one stone so you can see what she uh, missed. And, anyway, it stimulated some ideas. Uh, we're looking, of course at uh, Parshat Mishpatim, but the whole Mishpatim is a continuation of Yisro, or is it? There's a lot of problems and disjunctures with the narrative, if you ever take the trouble to read it, in Yisro Mishpatim, which is why the uh, Bible critics have a field day, and so do the Frum Bible critics, I mean Chazal, there's a lot of Rashi used here a lot, Ein Mokdam Ein Mokdam Um which is out there, there's such a claw, as we all know, a but it's not so push it. You don't use it all the time. And it's only within, you know, different stories. Not I mean, without different stories, not within. And um what applied over here, I mean the Ghazal do that, but other Mafarshim do not. And so I'm gonna try to I just read it straight today. Uh, like Abraham Maimonides, Avraham ben Arambam says that he doesn't agree with the A Mukdam over here. Yeah, here it is. Um, I opened up my rusty, trusty Avraham ben Arambam, and uh, what it says, Al Moshe Omar Alei Al Hashem, and that whole thing at the end of the parsha is Mishpatim. So he says, Das Chacham Shamir, and this is translated from the Arabic, obviously. Das Chacham Shamir Zu Binyan Mizbech calls Elifnei Ma'arin Arsinai. So this is all out of order. The Ein Zapshat. This is Avram ben Aram I'm talking. Ain't And it doesn't flow. Right? In other words, it doesn't work. I'll show you But rather, this is a continuous narrative that happens in Arsini. I'll explain in a second. And uh, that's the way to understand it all. That is the one that makes the most sense to me this year. And uh, I might point out that the Ramban... Uh, famously says you have to use a Mukhtar Mukhtar very sparingly. He criticized Rashi. You know, Farkosovsky, uh, Aldaiti, this is the Ramban talking. Call a Torah Kaseder. The Torah is always the Yesh Mukhtar Mukhtar Torah. Zulasi b'mokam asher yifarsh akos v'agdoma achor. Except in rare cases where the Pasuk will indicate that. Begam shom l'tzorachin yotam nochen. And only there sparingly. <clears throat> so you don't simply say, you know, it doesn't make any sense, a Mukhtar Mukhtar Torah. The Ramban says, in very rare occasions, which kind of makes sense. <clears throat> anyway, armed with that, let's take a look what happened. Right? We're going with Amben Rambam and so forth, although I'm not abandoning Rashi at all, as you'll see. <clears throat> so, Mishpatim is a continuation of, Yis- uh, of, of Yisra. 
So I'm looking now at the Ten Commandments in last week's Parsha. And after we finish the Ten it's a strange story. And after we finish the Ten Commandments, now consider this well. The Ten Commandments were pronounced, the Aserah Zedibras were pronounced um, on Shavuos, on the morning. It's Hashem came in the morning. So I'm going to ask a question now that I don't mean to be funny. It's just an interesting question. How long did it take God to state the Ten Commandments? That's a very interesting question. Because did Hashem talk in the way I'm talking now with a voice box? I mean, with something that sounded like a voice, I mean, like a deep word, like a human being? Is that what it sounded like? Did it sound like something else? You know, it's it's a fair question. Because it takes about a minute to read the Sarah uh, Dibras, two minutes. So how long did it take Hashem to say the Ten Commandments? But having, even giving it a while, Stentorian, so he came at six in the morning, seven in the morning, the Gonza business had to be over seven, eight in the morning, nine in the morning, right? I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? The, the actual stating of the Ten Commandments couldn't have taken that long. So you still have all day Shavuos, so to speak. And then what happens? And then Pusik describes the circumstances, the thor- the fire and thunder and so forth, and that the people say to Moshe were scared, and Moshe goes Nigash El. He approaches the cloud, the thick cloud that was on top of Mount Sinai. So let's try to figure this out. <clears throat> um, the Ten Commandments were pronounced when Moshe was at the bottom. Hashem said, Lech Raid. Now the Ten Commandments are over. And so Moshe goes up. Nigash El Ho'arafel. Hashem Elokim. So it was a thick cloud at the top of the mountain. And Moshe is approaching the cloud. Fayim Hashem Moshe. And at that point, God says, Kosem Rabbin Yisrael, Tem Risi Kudashmat Debarat Mechem. Okay, you know, you saw I spoke to him heaven, meaning five minutes ago, finished the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Some occasion. Especially the way I always train. Somebody even asked me the other day, what's the meaning of Shemayim? My opinion. You know, doesn't mean from the sky, it means from the metaphysical. So God spoke from the metaphysical, which is heavy. And I'm telling you now, All right, I thought I hear. That's appropriate. Don't make any idols. You want to make a certain adama, uh, a mizbeach, and offer up the carbonus. That's a little weird, right? That's a little weird. Notice now you just gave the Ten Commandments, and now you're saying some rules of all things in the world about a bracha. I mean, why don't you talk about something sublime? You know. Uh, and if you make a mizbach adama, don't make the, the cut stones and all that. And don't walk up the ramp without wearing underpants. You just gave the Ten Commandments. It's still Shavuos. Now it's nine in the morning. And this is what you're saying? You know, it's 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 like very mundane. And then to make matters worse, and by the way, since we're talking about different subject, discrete, disparate subjects. Let me tell you some Chosh Mishma rules, you know? And now we have the Parsh Mishpatim, which definitely doesn't make any sense. Do you see what I'm saying? All this is supposed to be said on the day of Shavuos. They just finished pronouncing the Ten Commandments. For all I know, Hashem could have taken a half hour for the whole business. So we could be coming at 6.30, 7.30 in the morning. And now he gets right away, Kisik Ne'evit Ivri. I mean, this is sublime, okay? Maybe, you know, you know, I don't know. And then about the Amavria, and then about, uh, you know, torts, you know what I'm saying, right? And Maka Ivish, Vagonavish, and Macharo, 
and one guy punches a woman, a pregnant woman, and then he beats up a slave, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and punches the guys out at, if he has a shore, and the shore is a mazik, and he has a boar, right, Yiftachish boar, how much you pay if you steal somebody. It just gave the lofty Ten Commandments. And now you're getting down to the rules of, you know, somebody steals how, how much to pay, dollar A, and so forth. And then, and Nizak and Baba Kama. So it's very yeshivish. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very yeshivish. We just said, Anuki Hashem Elkecho, and all this stuff. And now, Baba Kama, baby. <laughs> that's, you know, let's... We we wasted enough time with the Ten Commandments. Let's get down to Baba Kama. <laughs> that's that's what he's talking about over here, right? And the the you know the Shomrim and Baba you know, and Shomer and so forth and so on. And then Machshefa. I mean, it's it's uh Machshefa you could talk a defend because the witch might be coming to say I'm like another Mamad Arsina, but you know you hear what I'm saying. It's it's a little weird that you have. These mitzvahs here, these do's and don'ts, uh, strung out, um, on, right after the, the lofty giving of the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, it's it's but and, and this is Hashem telling Moshe to tell them, okay, um, and basically you have a little bit of a shulchan aruch, you have Ebenezer, Chosham Mishpat, Yordea, Archaim even with the with the with the with the matzah and you know the shalosh regalim and so forth and so on, so. Let's say, you know, they finished pronouncing the Ten Commandments. On Sh- I'm just trying to point out, she was a packed day. Uh, they've been pronouncing the, the Ten Commandments in the morning. And now comes a whole string of disparate rules. Not 613 rules, but 63 maybe. <laughs> and then, ending with Losevashel, Gadiba Chalibimo. And then, a little muster over there. I'm going to send you a. Uh, uh, a, a malach and don't get confused with the malach and, and and so forth. All right, that you can, they can kind of hear. And then we get to the last part of the parsha where it says El Moshe Amar Aleil Hashem Neshim And Moshe, you come up the mountain. Now, what's going on over here? Um, it sounds weird that he just gave the ten commandments and then he tells Moshe to come up the mountain. He said before nobody should go up the mountain. And you know, in a graded fashion, you and Aaron and the Zikanim, you go to the top, they go halfway, the people stay at the bottom. You know, Hasidic style. You know, the, the Rebbe is the only one who goes up uh, all the way. Okay, fine. And this is what Hashem says to Moshe. Now Rashi, or Chazal, Rashi gets out of it by saying, this all had happened before Shavuos. Parshazu never caught him a serious but Dalat So there's a whole drama if you want to learn Shavuos right, you have to know how to play around with the Ein Mokta Torah, and you have to read the end of Mishpatim before you get to Parshish Yisro. Okay, but I just told you, Sadigon, Am Ben Arambam, the others, they don't do that. They say that's wrong. It's Ein Hemshech Advarim. But rather, they say there's a continuous narrative, which is more interesting to me. So, he just gave the Ten Commandments, then he said a whole string of 63 rules, or however many, what you and I call Ela Mishpatim Ashertasim of Nehem. Okay. And then um, Moses is told to go to the top of the mountain with the elites going halfway up. All right. Now you and I know that Moshe, on that day, on Shavuos, is going to go into the Arafel, into the thick cloud, where he will remain for 40 days and 40 nights. 
At the end of that time, he will emerge with two tablets. For the millionth time, Shavuos is not when the Ten Commandments are given, but when they're pronounced. The tablets come later, in Kisiso. So, after 40 days and 40 nights, and, and when Moshe didn't eat, and he's not eating because he's in this thick cloud, which we talked about before, and ready at the end of Parshish Yisro. So, um, uh, you, you know what I mean, right? And, and our Parsha today is going to end. Then Moshe goes, So, this commences, the 40 days commences on Shavuos. So, what I'm trying to show you is, 6 in the morning, Barak was the Sarasadibras. By 7, 8, whatever, you got the, the, the Mishpatim. Uh, by 9, or something like that, you have this business that Hashem says, all right, you come up, you go all the way up to the top, the others can't go as far as you. You go into the cloud, where you'll be for 40 days and 40 nights, and then you'll come out with two tablets containing the Ten Commandments that I just gave you. Okay. Okay. And before he does that, before Moshe does that, Vayavah Moshe Vayisapar Elam is called Divri Hashem, it's called So he told the people that all the things that Hashem had told him, meaning that Hashem said, So, as I said before, at 7.30, at 8.30, at 9.30, whatever it was, after the Aserah Sedibras had been pronounced, Hashem communicated to Moshe, and now Hashem says, and tell what I taught you about the Mishpatim, the different rules about Evid Ivri and Amivri and all that stuff, you know, now you tell the people, okay, all right, I mean, like I said before, it's a little weird that these specific halachas are being given on the day of Shavuos. Like, are they more important than anything else? Know, it doesn't seem that way. Choshim Mishpah particularly doesn't seem that way. Unless you're a Baba Kama freak, you know, a Baba Metziah, you know, with the Shomer Tzachar, Hashola, and, 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 and so forth. Uh, you know, Pshia and Geneva uh, Aveda and so forth. Now, Vayavah um, Moshe Vayisab is called Dibri Hashem. So Moshe tells over Vesem Mishpah team, Tells over all these rules that Hashem told the people. That must have taken a little while, okay? Um, must have taken a little while. I mean, I don't even know exactly how that worked. You know, three million people. You know, like this is the beginning of teaching the Torah. You know, so uh, Moshe comes down. He says, "I got rules and regulations to tell you." But let's say that let's give that a couple hours, okay? Let's give that a couple hours. And then you find something unusual, um, and it says that the people all say, "Call Nasa." Knows we will per- perform the rules of Elam Shpatim. So that night, because he spent the rest of the day telling the people over the Mishpatim, Moshe wrote out as Divri Hashem. What's that? What's that? He wrote out as Divri Hashem. Um, the the Parshim Mishpatim? Which I think Sadi Yonah says that way. Um, and it's ready by the next morning. And they'll have a whole ceremony. So Moshe should spend the night writing. Rashi says, right? That um, he wrote me Breshis with his Matan Torah, right? plus a little more. So that's very interesting. In other words, God is obviously telling Moshe what to do. 
And Moshe becomes a historian. The day, the, 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 the occasion of Shavuos concludes after they heard the divine voice giving the Ten Commandments. And then Moshe heard Hashem tell him to Zagib and the Mishpatim. Moshe then writes a history of the Jewish people. Mibracious by Mountain Torah and submits his Amor. Now, what does that mean? That's extremely interesting to me from being interested in history. I'll tell you what I think, which is all I can ever do. Uh, we're dealing with a bunch of slaves that just left Egypt and we're holding my Mamtesh Sharituma. Now they've been jerked around like a Kafa Kela and gone to the other extreme to hit the Aitz of Kedusha. I mean, that ain't normal. You know, they went from a manic to a manic. From very bad to very good. Because when they heard the voice of Hashem, you know, there were all these Midrashim, that the Aitz of Har went away, the Malchamavas died, and so forth and so on. These are all expressions to say that they hit a Aitz. So, this is not a normal progression. Uh, you know, we end up in the middle. But rather, they went from Memtes Sharitumba to Memtes Kedusha, I guess, or if there's such a thing. Shari Kedusha. Now, uh, okay. But, do they, what I'm trying to get at is like this. Could they read or write? Are they literate? Do they know their background? Do they know where they're from? Do they know how they became slaves in Egypt? It's not fair what you think. You've been brainwashed. You're cheating. You've had the Torah for 3,000 years now, so you know the story. They didn't have a Chumash. They didn't know where they came from. If you ask the average slave in Egypt, whether the guy is working in the in in the in the brick mines, you know, in the salt mines, or maybe even one of these richy rich guys that I mentioned before is all materialistic, he said, "Do you know your family background? How the Jews came to Egypt? All the rest of it? I don't know what their answer is. I mean, how would I know? Maybe they're very knowledgeable. What happened? It wouldn't surprise me if they weren't. In other slave cultures, they didn't know how they became slaves. But understanding." How they became slaves and why is extremely important for the Jewish religion. You understand? The story of the slavery in Egypt and its liberation is not just another chapter in Jewish history. According to our theology, such as it is, it's the chapter in Jewish history. That's why we always say, You know that. It's not a little thing, it's a big deal. It's a big, big, big deal. But in order to appreciate that, you have to ask yourself, why Why was I a slave in the first place? You know, was it one of these bets that God made with the Satan, like with Job? You know, what's happens? And again, you and I have been taught the Chumash forever, so okay, they, they, it didn't exist at the time I'm talking about. Now it starts to exist. Moshe Benu. I, I find this very interesting. After all the theology of the Ten Commandments and all the legalisms of the Elam Shpatev, Moshe is like this. You know, first, we have to get a common past. We have to, I want the people to understand where they come from. Vayichta Moshe is called Divri Hashem. In other words, Mibreshi Suan Matan Torah. Vayashkin Baboker. Vayib Mizbeach Tachasahar. He builds a Mizbeach. And so on and so forth. Does the ceremony. Vayikach Seif Abris. Vayikra Bosniyom. And he reads the whole business to the people. Again, Rashi says, the Torah. So, 
I can only speculate that when the people heard the Ten Commandments, they freaked out. That we know. They mamas freaked. They told that that's why Moshe they had to tell Moshe, you know, you take over and so forth. When they hear the Mishpatim, they're like, huh? Is this what we signed up for? And Moshe now is gonna to have to explain to them, I guess, the historical background of where all the the, the relation with God is coming from. Because in the Jewish religion, it's all Mesorah and historical tradition, as they understand it. And this is contained in a book called Bracious, which, after all, is very ethnocentric. It's all about one family. It takes doesn't take too long before you get to Abraham Avinu, and then it's all about Abraham Avinu and his progeny. Okay, And so it's not a theology exercise in which, how do you know there's a God and prove this God is omnipotent and all the rest of it, but rather Kuzri style. And to get that straight and to iron out probably false rumors or I don't know what, Moshe says, let me tell you in simple words how we all got to where we are today. Let's start from the beginning, beginning. Let's get us down to Adam and Eve. And once we get down and we get to Noah, once we get to Noah, we get to Abram. We get to Abram, we get to Abram, Yitzhak, Yaakov. Things got screwed up by Yaakov because they sold Yosef into slavery. And that's how your ancestors got over here. Then they were part of a Yishutsu and you became slaves and so forth and so on. A people, if they're going to be a people, need a historical narrative, a, 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 a common past that they can all agree on. I didn't say it has to be true. Most nations have narratives, historical narratives that are actually not true. Okay, They're mythical in one fashion or another, to one degree or another. Um... But they work because everybody subscribes to them. I'm sure the Chinese figured they came down from heaven. You know, whatever. Uh, the Irish came from, I don't know where they say they came from. I can imagine. But uh, it, if they all feel that way, that gives them their common uh, origin narrative, as we would say professionally. Their narrative of origin. The Jewish people didn't have that. Ask somebody, says, if you're from the tribe of Yosef, let me, let me put it this way. Suppose you're from the tribe of uh, of uh, Shimon Levi. How did we all end up in Egypt and my children are suffering and my parents were killed and this and that the other? Well, your ancestor, Shimon Levi, tried to kill Yosef and next thing we know, we were all in, in, in Egypt. The heck with you, you know, knows why'd you do that? If you're from the family of Shimon Levi, you probably have another uh, version of what happened. We didn't do anything to Yosef. He tried to do something else, so we just defend ourselves or something like that. I don't know. Or Yehuda or Ruvay. All the people involved in the Yosef story. Uh, the Lovan story. Who knows among the Jewish slaves, ex-slaves, and among the different tribes, what versions of the past they heard. I know that today, anytime you come to a family, you can come to two or three different brothers who are married, and you know their children, each one will have a different narrative. My father was the most chashev back in the day. No, my father was the most chashev back in the day. And so that's the way the world works. And Moshe, at the words of Hashem, says, we got to get this straight. Let me give you the quick march through, and it braces, this is a quick march through, from, from Breshis Bara, through Alpha Yitzhak Yaakov, down to Yosef, and down to the slavery in Egypt, and down to the rise of Moshe Rabbein and the liberation of the Jews from Egypt. Ha'am. 
Uh, and when the people hear that, they say Nasev and Ishma, which is interesting. Before they only said Nasev, but now that they hear their history and they have a clarity of where they're coming from, and therefore an idea where they're going to, then they don't say just Nasev, they say Nasev and Ishma. So, I don't know if you noticed this, but the famous words Nasev and Ishma are only coming after they hear the historical narrative. You understand? Only they hear, and, and they say, oh, that's who we are. And the historical narrative embraces has the good and the bad. The mitzvahs as well, the averis that the avos and the shvatim did. And then, of course, Moshe goes and uh, uh, up the mountain with everybody, and they get, you know, and, he, and then he says, keep the people behind. Now, uh, the importance of having a common, agreed upon narrative is like unbelievable. If you're from Jew, you'll have a very different narrative of the last 200 years in Jewish history than if you're not from Jew. Um, some countries make a, a, a national sport out of lying about the past. The Russians, the Soviets, for example, they're doing this right now in Ukraine. You know, the mamas twist everything inside out to mamas lie through their teeth because the truth hurts, you know. And therefore, they'll do whatever it takes to make themselves look good. Sometimes you have certain religious groups, Hasidic groups, you know, their leader, their Rebbe never made a mistake. Everything is perfect. You know, if you heard something different, it's not true. And if they have evidence, they'll bury it. You know, that, that kind of approach. Moshe isn't operating that way. Moshe is operating on that what Hashem tells him. <laughs> Hashem said, I want you to write from Brish to Mount Torah. Now, it is interesting to me, and I only noticed it because I saw it in like, say, this English book that we had it this year in the morning, there's somebody called him the Chizkuni, which I looked up inside. The Chizkuni is always very interesting, because he is uh, being malaki from, you know, a lot of people from his time. The Chizkuni um, was at the end of the French Jewry, you know, the late 1200s, early 1300s. Not at the time of Tosas, which was the 1100s, but uh, when things were really bad in France. And the Chizkuni is always very unusual. Uh, original, I should say, not unusual. And he, to my mind, is like the Rajbam and the Panakarazo, one of the French exegetes, who are very um, direct and very blunt sometimes about different happenings. But sometimes he says things that are just uh, uh, weird to me. And when it gets over here about what Moshe wrote down and read to people, so he doesn't give talk about the historical narrative, which is what Rashi and the regular Chazals say. Okay? not what he does. Haralich, as Kuni says, which I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it out to have it in front of me, uh, that he, that he, re, he here we go. Uh, El Moshe Omar. Da, da, da. Uh, well, he says the Tokacha. Isn't that interesting? In other words, that's Mam Shem Torah. I think that's Mamash's words. Uh, that he read the. I'm looking for the pasuk. Yeah, here we go. This is Chizkuni, all the way at the end. Perkhaftalad pasuk, Zion. Um, I'm just reading from the Mikras Kedos. Vayikach sefer abris, vayikar vaznei om, and they say Nasim Nishma. Zok to Chizkuni, em mokdom mukhar b'Torah, vehem atochachas. So I know the Tochacha is written at the end of Ayikra, but it's out of order. It really was pronounced over here. Okay? 
Kedisa Mechalto, there must be a source in Mechalto, and so on and so forth. Right? Uh, wow. Wow. You know, it kind of makes sense in a certain way. I'll, I'll tell you why I say that. One second. Okay, here it is. Um, I'm looking at Shabbos, you know, Kofum Harkagigis. But it's kind of interesting because Kofum Harkagigis, like when exactly did that happen? I know it says, but I mean, when precisely did God hold a mountain overhead and threaten them? And uh, I'm looking, you know, this is famous, you know, in, on Pei Ches, in Shabbos. It says, Kofum Harkagigis, and Tosa says so famously, they already said Nasim Nisham. Well, that's not so simple. Nasim Nisham is the end of Mishpatim, so you're assuming that Emok the Mokhabat Torah, which is just interesting, Tos is going that way. But here's my point. What about Nasim Nisham? Shemahayu Chosrit, Kishiro, Eisha Gadola, Shiatsis Nishmasan. When they saw the Eisha Gadola, maybe that would freak them out and they would change their mind. This way, Kalf Maharkagig is prevented from changing their mind. What's Mishat the Eisha Gadola? The terrible Onish. For not keeping the Torah. Well, that's identical with what the Chizkuni says. He sent him the Tochacha. Because what it's saying the Tochacha, if you don't keep this, you're going to get doomed, right? You're going to get doomed. Uh, so what we have is a situation in which um, the Ten Commandments are pronounced, and then the Mishpatim are given in one way or another. Then Moshe reads them a historical narrative, and the people are so impressed in my reconstruction that they all say Nasim and Ishma. Right? Nasim and Ishmael. And then, um, but the Cheskuni, who's going to get it's out of order, so I guess b- before the Torah is even given, because El Moshe Amar, Hashem, is before Shavuos. The day before the Torah is given, it's already Moshe reads the, 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 the Tochacha. I mean, let's put it this way. I wouldn't say yes, or you'd be surprised. That's why it holds the mountain over their head. It's too scary. What do you get? What's happening tomorrow, Moshe? Today's the fourth of seven, according to this reconstruction. Uh, well, tomorrow we're going to get the Ten Commandments. And what's the story of the Ten Commandments? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Ten Commandments are in such a nature, and the Torah is such a nature. If you don't keep it, you're going to have a Holocaust. The people say, well, I don't want to sign up. Kaflam Harkagigas, and then it's okay, Nasim and Ishmael, or something like that, right? Uh, in which case, it really was forced. If you do that Rashi out of the Ein Mukta Mukta then you really see it as a forced. If you um, do it the Avram and Rambam way, it doesn't seem that way so much at all. Doesn't seem that way so much at all. So I just leave you with these ideas to show you um, where history fits in. The creation of a common past. The Jewish people, at the end of the day, are not just a theological business, but it's a human family. From Amavinu. Uh This human family is not a family unless it has an agreed-upon narrative. Hear what I just said? If uh, you had one of these movies where, you know, the kids were all kidnapped at a very young age, you know, like Indians or something like that, and this one's raised here, and that one's raised there, and that one's raised there, even if they reunited later in life, they would have nothing to do with each other because each one believed they're coming from a different place and from a different background. It's only if they agree upon, yeah, um, you know, I'm Reuven, you're Shimon, you're Levi, we're all brothers. Our parents were so-and-so. A lot of people are into the genealogy now and going online because, you know, inchoately they're trying to, you know, grasp 
for a past that they can use, a usable past, and to give them grounding. And we find that's exactly what happens in Parsha Mishpatim, if you're not to read it. But at the end of the day, it is a very strange story, because I repeat, all this is happening the day after Shavuos, according to Ben Rambam, and uh, Moshe spent the whole night writing out uh, the first copy of Breshis and and beginning of Shmos and reading them next day, which was the occasion for them, you know, saying farewell to him, and when he goes off in the cloud, I guess when he's off in the cloud, he won't see them. Malmish, if they don't have a agreed upon common past, then Malmish it'll fall apart, and they'll break up into warring factions, you know, because Reuben he said I'm the one in charge, and Yehuda will say I'm the one in charge, and who knows what will go on. Little did they suspect that the Jewish people would actually be united but unfortunately only united to make a golden calf. But that will be in the future. Once again, I want to thank the Pollocks. Oh, Kathy has a good recovery over here. It's a lot of PT. That's what it is, you know. The operation is not, I mean, I'm not making light of it, but the operation operation, but the, the main thing is the PT, and uh, she's an XRN, an RN. So, I mean, you know, that's a couple, that's a medical couple. So they will be on top of all things. And I hope to see her uh, moving around before too long. Everybody should have a good job. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.